All right, welcome to another episode of Digging for Wisdom. We have Matthew Diggs here with us talking. The professor, we only got the two weeks left. Professor Diggs, you're sitting here with the Wizard, in case people don't know who I am by now. Hey, everybody knows who you are, Wizard. I'm I'm hearing from people all across the state. They know who you are. All across the state. Everybody knows who I am, and everybody wants to be like me. That's what they say, but eh, they're weird people. What that I want to be like is more like Dixie. Now, I want to give you your props for these people that uh, are out here wondering about playoff scenarios. Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? We only have two weeks left. I don't know if my team's going to get in. Man, get to my man Diggs's Twitter. He explained it to everybody in, during the dump this past week. If you guys aren't watching the reading the dump, I say watching it. If you guys aren't scrolling through the dump on Friday nights. I know it's a difficult time for some people at midnight, but it's not difficult for most, and it's still there the next morning. Any questions you have about playoff scenario type stuff, Diggs hits you off for 6A and 5A. He'll even small school you real quick for some of these North Texas teams up here in the small school area. He'll let you know what your those chances are. So uh, that is a good – it used to be, you know, they, how they used to sell encyclopedias door-to-door. This is kind of – Diggs gives you the information door-to-door except through social media. He'll let you know what your teams are doing. And I just want to say we all appreciate you, Diggs. Thanks for doing that for us. But, you know, the dump is live and it's not perfect. So, you know, if you see any errors, definitely let me know. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of scenarios I don't go through. Like, you know, what if South Garland beats Garland this week? You know, there are, there. Are, I, I'm very disrespectful at the mouth, as I, I know you know, Ward, and I just like assume some things cannot happen. So I'm not fully, you know, I, I don't give a full picture of that because, you know, I'm not like, okay, if Irving beats Highland Park this week, then this can happen. I, I don't do all that. It gives you, you give a realistic view, though. We're, we we talk to the realistic fans, not the not the. We like to talk to dreamers, but not all the dreamers, not the Irving dreamers that think they're going to beat Highland Park. We we don't really cater to those that folks. That just don't like us, though, because, you know, there's always a chance. There's that's always right. that 1% chance. There's always a st- statistic out there, and, and that's that's for next week. We'll talk probably more about that during our podcast next week because it'll be the last week of the season, and then we really will have some win in your end games, ones that will be super exciting. But we actually do have a winner winning your end game this week uh, with, with Lamar taking on Bowie. And we'll talk about that a little later on, but that one's, that is a legitimate win in your end game. And pretty excited about having one of those in week 10. Now let's start off with three, six, eight. Let's go ahead and get started right away. Talking about, I want to talk about this Crowley team, man. It, it, we t- you talked about them. You've put them in the playoffs probably the last three weeks since that uh, overtime loss bell took to Weatherford, which was a, which you explained to everybody worked out well for Crowley. What what else works out well for Crowley is beating a team that they're not supposed to beat. And they beat, they beat Trinity last week, and now they're taking on uh, Boswell, and they're looking good for a playoff spot. Boswell took a loss last week to Weatherford. Talk about this matchup. These two teams look like they're both in, in the show, but talk about what this thing could mean for both of these teams. Well, they're, I mean, they're, they're not – if we're getting back into our statistics ward, they're both not in the show quite yet. Uh, I know uh, I, I was talking to my guy, Coach uh, Coach Resendez, and, and he thought he was in, but uh, we, we found some scenarios where uh, you start to get some mass chaos at four and three and all, you know, all kinds of scenarios open. And last week, you know, not only did we have one thing happen that we weren't expecting to happen, but we had two things happen. And that's just where you just kind of completely throw your hands up in the air and go – 
what is this District 36A? Why are you doing this to us? I mean, we are in a position now, Ward, and I cannot believe I'm going to say this in the 21st century, where it's more likely than not that Euless Trinity is not going to make the playoffs. Yes, it's, it's too wild. It's too wild for me. To, my, my mind's going to blow up if I keep hearing you say stuff like this. And we I just started. About all of a sudden, that LD Bell Trinity game might mean absolutely nothing next. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, because they're both be just playing for reputation for fifth place. But that, that you know, both teams have big games this week that can help uh, climb them in. And uh, Crowley is one of them. And I was, I, you know, I told you I was talking to Coach Rosendis, and uh, he is really excited about this team, especially the buy-in of this team. You know, he's just talking about kids practicing on Sunday and just, you know, all kind you know, just on their own, not any, any sort of organized thing, but, you know, just kids, you know, you know, playing hard and like they've, they've figured it out. Uh, and, and we're getting to the point now where the younger kids, you know, the, the, the seniors for Crowley, they've kind of been beat up over the last three years. So, you know, they've kind of got that losing mindset, but the young kids at Crowley, they're just learning how to win. And I, I think with Crowley, it really comes down to Caleb Williams, you know, how he plays, uh, if he has a turnover-free game, if he makes the smart reads, I mean, he's their best offensive player. He runs the ball. He passes the ball. Uh, you know, he's their leading rusher at times. So if he has a good game against Saginaw Boswell, I think they have a really good chance to upend them. Uh, but I think Boswell defensively has a really good chance uh, to slow that down. You know, when they play a team like Weatherford that uh, can really throw the ball downfield, extend the field, and then hit you with big runs, they really struggle. But I think when you look at the matchups of this game, uh, you know, you, you look at Sawyer Farr, your guy over there at Boswell, uh, you know, he had a bad game against uh, L.D. Bell a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I don't think he really shined against uh, Weatherford last week. I, you know, what are the odds that he's going to have three straight bad weeks? I wouldn't put my money there. I think Boswell's going to bounce back this week. I think Ezra Carter's going to have a big game. Uh, I, I think uh, if Crowley's going to win this game, they got to have somebody else step up and, uh, you know, help help uh, Caleb out. And I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. Uh, and uh, but, but we know with uh, Boswell, Boswell's got a multiplicity of players uh, that can get yardage uh, and, and score for them. So I think Boswell uh, is where the smart money is this week. That's a smart player right there. You know what I think it is, Biggs? I think 3-6-A is like, boy, that Dixie keeps talking about 6-6-A and 9-6-A. You know what? If he wants chaos, let's give it to him. Because we got Weatherford taking on uh, Trinity this week, and Weatherford pulled off that big upset as you just mentioned over Boswell last week and, and put them in a good spot for this postseason. Yeah, I just can't in my head see a world where Trinity is playing for nothing next week. I think that Trinity is going to have their best game of the year. And if you really dive into that Crowley game, I mean, that game was a game that was 20 to seven at halftime. Uh, Crowley was up and then, you know, Trinity had a furious comeback. They just, you know, just didn't have enough there. Their defense kind of figured it out in the second half holding Crowley to field goals and uh, their offense, you know, Gary Maddox had an insane day. And one thing we know about Weatherford is Weatherford does not have the best defense. So if we're going on full out uh, ball control shootout, because, you know, if Weatherford is going to give up 10 to 15 yards a run and, and Trinity can still take advantage of that with, with the uh, talent that they have, I think Trinity is going to have a bounce back week. And I'm going to not only pick uh, Trinity to beat Waxat or beat Weatherford, but I'm going to beat him to max him out. I think Trinity is going to beat him by two scores. 
making next week's game a lot, a lot more important uh, as we might have three games uh, that next week that kind of factor into the playoffs. Uh, you know, there is a scenario where if Crowley beats uh, Boswell this week, that Crowley and North Crowley will be playing in that new stadium. I know you're talking about how much you like that stadium over there. Uh, you know, christening the new stadium with a district championship, but I don't think that's going to happen. But I do think Trinity uh, is going to find its way into playing LD Bell and meaningful football next week for you and James. I know you got to have somebody out there to uh, make that game meaningful. So let's make that game meaningful, Trinity, and take out Weatherford by two scores. I do wish there was a way we could rewind these podcasts because I, I it, it almost feels like since week five, every week you, you start off talking about Trinity by saying, I just can't see. And then the next week you're like, yeah, they had a bad week that week, but I just can't see. Well, can't you're going to have it. to open your eyes. You're going to have to start seeing something. Because Trinity is struggling right now, but and it's a road game at Weatherford. I don't know what kind of crowd they're going to have coming out there, but if they know they're going to get in the playoffs, uh, a chance to get in the postseason here, who knows? But I just well, you got a lot of the Schadenfreude fans right now, and if you're not familiar with the psychology, the Schadenfreude, Schadenfreude's people who like to watch misery, you know. So I think we have a lot of people out there who are watching Trinity right now just to see, you know, can it get any worse? Uh, so I, I think a lot of the Trinity fans, they're, they're very restless. You can see a lot of negativity in on, on Trinity Twitter out there. I, I try not to go into Trinity Twitter too much. It's a, it's a, it's a dark place. You know, there, there's place. some dark recesses yeah. of Twitter and that's one of them. Uh, so I avoid that. But if I kind of go into this, this, that superficial part of Trinity Twitter, it's not a nice place to be right now, Ward. A nice scary question. place. You need to be holding somebody's hand if you're going to go into there, for sure. All right, let's move on to 4-6-A, and this is one – any other week it probably would be game of the week for us, uh, but you have an, a, a certain 11-6-A matchup that takes over that one. But South Lake Carroll against – is yeah, that a Ward, 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 Go Ward. ahead, cut me off. What do you got? Ward, Ward, Ward. I put us at, you know, part, part of what we like to do here at our DFW podcast is, is we have to tap in the brain – of the producer, and that's you. Yeah. So you got undefeated Nelson, undefeated Carol. You got DeSoto, Duncanville. Why do you, as a producer, make the decision to choose Duncanville over and DeSoto over Nelson and Carol? Let us this, into your. This mind. one was easier. It usually is tougher, but this one's easy for DeSoto. I've had Duncanville on once this year. I've had DeSoto on once this year, and I've had the, those other two teams you've had on there at least two or three times. And the reason being. A, they've played all their non-district games except for maybe one or two on Saturday, so I can't get them on for just Duncanville and Soto. And B, they've been just running through teams in their own district there. So this is the time, the meeting of the minds. My man Pat Doney will be there with Noah. That's the one that needs to be in the number one spot. Plus, South Lake Carroll's got that injury coming up. Now, listen, James Harris will be there. So the way he shoots, it's going to feel like it's a game of the week because the guy's top-notch. So he'll be there to see this Byron Nelson uh, uh, South Lake game, and it will be one two. Can one two be? We have a one and one A. So if there's your one A game, and it's going to be a spectacular one because they're going to be throwing the ball all over the place. And I think that Graham Knowles guy has proven that he can handle his business in those two games. I know it's only been two games, but he's been doing quite well. You know, and you could also argue, and I'm not saying anything bad about Pat Doney, but you know, it takes a little bit for the vocals to warm up. You know, so when you're 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 talking about that first game, you're it's still a little weak on the vocals. So once you get to that second game, you got the deep, rich tones, and you get a little more enunciation going on. So it could be that game two is a little bit better than game one. It's like it's like with us, we get the five A Division two. 
We've been talking for an hour. We are just rolling at that point, but yeah, our cool. voices are cracking here in the beginning. So, sound like a, a prepubescent boy up here with the voices going up and down. And then we start talking about Mansfield Timberview, my team apparently, and I just sound like the Velvet Fog up here, just letting you Mel Torme this thing. What I really like about Carol, and you, you talked about Graham, uh, Graham Knowles and kind of the fact that, uh, you know, he's kind of a gatekeeper, you know, kind of playing that Cooper Rush role or that Taylor Heineke role. You like that Taylor Heineke? Here you go. Boy, I like it. You want to talk about the stages of grief, just watch you on Twitter during a Commander's <laughs> game. That is worst team ever. We're going to the Super Bowl all at one. <laughs> Up and down. Another three hours. You need to have a, another place you need to hold your hand, getting through me and through my Commander Twitter days. Getting through Commander Twitter Left hand up, you know, our, our commander song over there. But I, I really like the way that South Lake Carroll has kind of adapted to the fact that, you know, now they're really leaning on the rushing game. Uh, you know, we, we know Owen Allen. We've talked about his numbers. He's going to get his 10 yards of carry. He's going to get his couple of touchdowns. Uh, James Lehman is getting in there to kind of give them that 40 to 50 carry depth is what we're starting to see now. Uh, and to where Graham is just able to make – uh, you know, the, the smart throws and kind of the play action and the RPOs, uh, and it kind of throws teams off. So I think Carroll has adjusted in a way to where they really lean on their offensive line a little bit more now uh, and lean on their defense. And, and some could argue that that's where they might even be better because, you know, Carroll is a big-name driven program, but, you know, the infrastructure is what really makes Carroll consistently good, that offensive line, that defensive line, that running game, and a lot of times they don't need it. You know, they can be flashy, and I think Riley Dodge has made those adjustments to kind of slow the, the game down, uh, you know, take the take the clock down and, and you know, kind of suck the possessions out, uh, and I think uh, that might frustrate Byron Nelson a little bit, uh, but when I just kind of look at how Byron Nelson played against Keller and how Carroll played against uh, – uh, against Keller, I, I'm taking Byron Nelson in this one. Jake Wilson is so efficient, uh, and and they're they have a two-headed monster over there in Byron Nelson as well with Aaron Darden and Tucker James, able to have hundred-yard rushing games while Jake Wilson is throwing up his normal 300, 400 yards and four and five touchdowns. Uh, you know we know all about the uh, the receivers and and they've got the depth, and that's what I really like about Byron Nelson is they've got the big play depth. I mean, I think if, if we if we uh, had seven players for Byron Nelson, you know, all, all people who can make a, a game-changing uh, play. With Carroll right now, they only have really one offensive player who can make a game-changing play. Uh, so Carroll, to me, they're going to have to win the turnover battle uh, and going to have to really limit possessions and play a perfect game. Can Carroll do that? Absolutely. But I think Byron Nelson – if you remember where they turned on that switch against Braswell, it's like they had something to prove. I think they're going to turn on that switch against Carroll, and I think they're going to beat them by two scores. Scored on every possession in that game against uh, Braswell. It's always interesting to me. I, I never know when you're going to pull out the Ric Flair uh, philosophy, and for some reason you chose not to do it with this one. Uh, you're not going to use Ric Flair for, to describe why South Lake Carroll is going to win this deal, but you, you have your reasons. And I guess I'll have to live with them, but usually I like to hear you say, uh, "To beat the man, to be the man, you got to beat the man." So you feel like Byron Nelson is definitely going to beat the man by two scores. Maybe I'm saving that for our true game of the week in okay. five five districts. Here we go. We'll talk about it five districts from now. Going into five six eight, we already got the playoff teams. We already got the playoff divisions. We're just going for seeding right here, and 
district titles. People play for these district titles. I know you tried to poo-poo that last week. Oh, who cares about a district title? I only care about state championships. But Allen takes on Prosper. Denton Geyer takes on McKinney. They're both going to the – they're all four going to the playoffs. Talk to me about Prosper going into Allen uh, with an injured KV on Sibley, of course, at running back, and how they might take on his team. Did you like that your your de facto district championship game last week? Did you like that, Ward? Yeah, that was my de facto. It didn't turn out the way I liked it. It, it really didn't. And Allen, you know, obviously, you know, that was a, a, a very sad injury. You know, and we've seen that way more. You know, obviously, you know, we could almost do a do a inside high school lead story on just the running backs who've been injured this year. Uh, you know, and, you know, we could almost have like a medical professional out there or something diagnosing these these fractures or something, you know, be it be a teacher here at Inside High School Sports, you know, and, and, and talk about that. Uh, you know, Alan is, you know, I think Alan got, you know, shell shocked at the emotional side of things. I, I mentioned this on Twitter and I didn't get much pushback on it, which means, you know, I'm right about it. You know, I, I think if Geyer and Alan played that that game. 10 times over a, a, a myriad of circumstances. I think Geyer's going to win all of them, but they're not six touchdowns better on a majority of those. That was kind of one of those things where Allen got deflated, uh, the Sibley injury, they had a couple of uh, fourth down plays not go their way. I mean, that game could have easily been 14-14 at halftime, just right. as well as it was 14 nothing at halftime. And then the second half, you know, they were deflated and, and they had their uh, backups in there uh, with uh, after Sibley got hurt, Micah Ellis and Michael Crowder uh, look like they'll be sharing time in the backfield for uh, the backup. But those players are very competent players. Uh, obviously, they're not RB1, but, you know, the depth of Allen when they lose a player, uh, it, it's not as impactful as it is for a school like say Plano East, uh, you know, who might have a, you know, top, top tier guy. And then after that, it's uh, a little bit of a drop off. So I, I don't think Allen is going to have uh, that big of a drop off, but Allen and Prosper have been right next to each other in the, in the seedings all year. It's like been five, six, five, six. Uh, this is one of those games that we, you know, I figured was a touchdown game at the beginning of the season. But now without Sibley, I think that's just a little bit of enough to flip to Prosper uh, and give them the win in this game. I mean, what I mean, Prosper, you know, they look like Allen in, in many ways. I think Allen, you know, Prosper has really built themselves uh, in the in the model of Allen, having big offensive line, having a, a big name uh quarterback and Harrison Rosar uh, running the ball efficiently, having a couple of guys who can put up 100 yards uh, in the depth of the receiving core. Uh, you know, they don't have just one player they can look to. You know, they can throw the six, seven players, a tight end, you know, an H-back, all kinds of things. Uh, so Prosper just has, I think this year, uh, has a little more depth than Allen. And I know it's weird talking about the 7,000 student school not having the depth of Prosper, especially since Prosper is being broken apart with all of these schools that they're having built up. But Prosper is the original school in Prosper right now. I think they are the big dogs, and I think Prosper is going to take it against Allen. I agree with you on that one. And it's interesting you talk about the big tight end. I know Allen didn't really go to that big, their big tight end last week, and I thought they would. I thought they, especially when that leg happened with Sibley and he had to get carted off, and Hawkins all of a sudden, okay, I'm going to have to be the man. I thought they would go. He would target that tight end a lot. Now, I've I only saw sparing highlights in the second half, and it looked like he went to him a couple, two, three times. But you going into that game, you told me Geyer, you know, you Geyer was going to win. But you said if they were going to prove they're going to be a state contender, they're going to have to beat the pants off of them, which is what happened. Uh, so did they prove to you what you needed to be proven to? 
No, uh, like I, like I said, I I wasn't as impressed uh, by Geyer in that game. I was impressed uh, by you know you know some of the some of their skill players. You know uh, that that punt the punt return that you missed. Yeah. I mean, did you see that thing? I have seen it, and I saw uh, to me to me, and this is just me going out on a limb. Peyton Bowen is the is the best athlete I've seen DFW this year. Uh, just the the thing that he the stuff that he can do for a team defensively. He's a especially with his other Bowen brother, Eli, on the other side. Like, you'll see the kid from uh, Wachahatchee, the uh, – the, uh, man, his name escapes me already with the two names, uh, the defensive back. He has nobody else back there with him. So, when I was at the Mansfield game, I mean, he didn't get targeted at all. And that he, the score he got was off of a fumble recovery. He took off for a touchdown. But the two Bowen brothers are, are locking down both sides. And that Peyton is – he's just on the ball in a heartbeat. And they were talking about – because I was – Sadly, watching it while I was driving, it was in my lap. I wasn't, I was paying attention to the road, but hearing them say that Bowen runs like 22 miles per hour, which is ridiculous because old ass Diggs over there doesn't even drive 22 miles per hour. He goes about 16, slow, fast lane to move over a couple of lanes if you're going to drive that slow. Anyway, That's in 40 minutes, Ward. All right, all right. That's because you were drafted. You were drafted behind somebody and you got through there. But yes, pay, I did see the punt return, and I see I saw a bunch of hits in the first half. The way he gets on the ball and those outs, those quick outs, he's right there to make the tackle. I, I love that kid. He'll be getting the bobblehead in a couple weeks for sure. Oh, and, and he deserves it. Like one of the first couple of plays of the game, and you talk about how you know you know Allen is trying to throw those outs. You know, I I know you're not a Cowboys guy, but you know there was that play where Micah Parsons ran down uh, that one tight end. He got up to like 21 miles an hour. You know, that's what that's what Bowen is doing. I mean, he is just flying down the field on these things. When he knows where he is going, it is it is ridiculous. And, and maybe that's why they kind of avoided the tight end. Like you don't want uh, Bowen lighting up your tight end at 20 miles an hour. Uh, you know, with a direct hit kind of a thing. Is you know, uh, a lot of times those uh, tight end routes are un. un- protected across the middle uh so maybe it was uh live another day and and go into division one without the without having to deal with that uh Denton Geyer because the Denton Geyer's going division two uh and, and let somebody else deal with that uh but uh yeah it, it it is what it is and uh you know to me I was impressed by Geyer but there were some things I saw in Geyer you know that you know the, the depth you know we talk about their frontline players being really really good uh but again I, I think Allen was two pretty questionable calls away, and I think when I went back and watched them, uh, the, the referees were not correct on on them uh, from having that game be 14-14 at halftime. So, uh, and and then you had the, the the leg injury and all that. Again, Geyer would have won that game again ten out of ten times, but. I don't think they're going to win that game by six touchdowns. It wasn't a situation where you just look at that look at it and go, wow. You know, there was a lot of circumstances that led up to that blowout as opposed to just domination. And, and sometimes we see domination leading to the blowouts, and sometimes we see turnovers in situational football. And to me, that was the turnovers in situational football and some uh, questionable calls on the uh, that line judge down there just kept kept finding ways it's like he had a personal vendetta against Allen because the same point the same line judge made all of those questionable calls against Allen and I don't know you know I saw what I saw and then I had the replays it showed me what I needed to see as far as that goes uh, but Allen's a little bit better than they represented and they'll be in the of course they'll be in the postseason with the, the three other teams that we talked about let's move on to 668 all we know there is Louisville's 
definitely in the playoffs, and Plano East is definitely not. The other, I'm sorry, the other ones are still are still out there. Although a couple teams just need to win this week. I know Capel just needs to beat Flowerman, but boy, those Jaguars are something else, huh? With the way they took Plano down, fifty-one points. You saw this a couple of years ago when uh, Flower Mound just. When they play Plano ISD, it's like they, you know, they're they're the they're the stepchild of Louisville ISD, but they own Plano ISD. You know, when they play Plano ISD, they're going to put up fifty or sixty. It seems like they're going into that next year uh, when it comes to that. But even though we're we're talking about how uh, Flower Mound, uh, you know, had a very nice win over Plano, the probably the most likely situation right now, unless we have a couple more upsets, which in this district certainly can't rule it out. Uh, but the most likely scenario currently is is Plano, Hebron, and Flower Mound all tying at three and four in a three-way tie uh, for fourth place. If that's the case, since all three teams have played each other, Plano has already won that tiebreaker because uh, all the other games were blowout, uh, bigger blowouts. You know, only losing by 10 to Flower Mound saves Plano and, and puts them in, in the uh, driver's seat when it comes to that uh, tiebreaker. But at the same time, with all of these games, you're basically trusting uh, that Flower Mound is only going to go one and one, and that uh, Hebron is only and Hebron is going to only go one and one, and you can't do that. So I know Plano is not feeling comfortable uh, right now, and I don't think Plano is going to be a favorite in either of those games. It, it looks like in, in in that battle of the axe that you were talking about, that huge rivalry, the battle of Goldsmith Stadium, right. that you just love hyping up. Uh, right that, you know, Marcus' defense figured it out too. Uh, so when you got Marcus playing good defense and then being in the offense, though, that's the head scratcher. We thought Marcus was going to be putting up these yeah. 40, 50 point there is, uh, scores. There are some serious question marks on, on Cole Welliford. He came in there with the, you know, carrying the flowers on his back, but there's some serious questions up in Flower Mound right now about uh, mainly his accuracy. He's got the strong arm, but his accuracy has not been on point at all. And, that's heck. You got two final games here. You got to play. You got to get past Plano. You got to get past the Plano East. <laughs> they got to get past those two, or at least one of them, to get into the playoffs. So, can they beat the Plano team? I don't know. Yes, they can. Can they lose to them? Yes, they can. It's yes to both of them, and it's turned you, you out can to be with every matchup right now, exactly. uh, except for maybe the Panthers. But uh, you know, every matchup right now. I mean, you look back at it, and Plano West has got the least probability of making the playoffs. But who's played Louisville the best? Yeah, exactly. You're right. I mean, it's it's going to be a wild ending. If you go by the book, it's you should have Capel in there, Capel in there with Marcus and Louisville, and then figure out that fourth spot. Uh, if right you had to Plano guess, is the, the favorite, but Plano West. There's a mathematical possibility since they end with Hebron and uh, play and, and uh, Flower Mound. If they can win those games and then maybe get one of them to pull an upset to get uh, get a favorable tie break, Plano West even has a mathematical opportunity right now. But I still think uh, the most likely scenario is Louisville, Coppell, Marcus, and uh, Plano all making the playoffs. Uh, with Hebron, Hebron and Flower Mound being tough luck, uh, you know they tied but didn't get in kind of spots. But at this point. I wouldn't put it past, uh, you know, I, I could see Flower Mound beating Coppell this week. Uh, you know, if, if Coppell has a couple of turnovers, uh, I think Flower Mound can take advantage of that. And then all they got to do is beat Plano West and they're in the playoffs. And how can Plano West do it without my man Feuerbacher out there? Uh, he's our quarterback competition champion. I'm going to miss that guy. He's, 
we, we will miss them, but uh, uh, everybody, Dermot White has stepped up for uh, with uh, Plano West, uh, and they play a you know a lot of heart in that game. Uh, uh, Johnny Ingram, uh, you know, he, he's a fan of the dump. Johnny Ingram, our guy, uh, won won uh, homecoming king, and then had the single play to beat Plano East. Uh, where he stripped the ball. Plano East was about to score and go up two touchdowns. Uh, he stripped the ball and uh, in one motion ran it back 80 yards for a touchdown. And we go from Plano East being up two scores to being down a score just like that. And you got you make plays like that. A kid like Johnny Ingram, a linebacker, homecoming king, everything at Plano West. How can you roll out Plano West at this point? Can't roll out anybody in this district except for one team. All right, let's move on to 7-6A where we have three of the four teams okay. already. I'm sorry. Three of the four teams already uh, decided, and then we have uh, Pierce Berkner and, and uh, Irving MacArthur all tied at three and three. Uh, but you've already kind of pushed Berkner through. Um, talk to me about what you think is going to happen for that fourth spot. Yeah, we're just waiting for next week. I mean, all the games this week are all five, six, seven score uh, margins. It's the big dogs playing the uh, the lesser teams this week. Uh, you know, it's just kind of going out, running out the string with Highland Park and Jesuit. Got Lake Highlands. They they won the city championship last week against Pierce. You know, we got to go to that game. That's right. We got to see the very rare field level Dixie, which everybody was so happy to see out on the field taking videos. This guy. This guy right here, something special. It, it, it was fun to see. And we thought we were going to see ourselves a great game. It was a one-score game at half. And then Lake Highlands kind of turned it on uh, in, in the second half and, uh, you know, just completely dominated Pierce and uh, really showed the depth. But, you know, Ward, and, 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 and I'm handshaking everybody at Lake Highlands and then I'm stabbing them in the back on here on the podcast. <laughs> I just – you know, I don't know if Lake Highlands has the depth. Obviously, they're not what they were the last couple of years. Uh, and, and we already kind of know, we've talked about it almost for all season, that we're going to get Lake Highlands, South Grand Prairie round three almost as a guarantee. You know, we're talking about that on the campfire, the way things were going to play out. I just think South Grand Prairie, with, with their depth and, and, and their offensive playmakers and defensive playmakers, they may blow Lake Highlands out. It may not even be a competitive game at this. I There's something about Lake Highlands that, you know, when they play the big dogs, I just don't think that they have the depth and the uh, and, and the skill players to to play competitively against them. And you think South Grand, uh, South Grand Prairie take – you know what I noticed is the, is the, is the Shamar Donaldson kid, uh, number 11 for, for Lake Highlands. He Looking at his film over the campfire weeks, he's just – he seems to be such a dynamic weapon. And when we were there in the second half, I think he got the ball once, maybe twice. I know one of them was called back because of a penalty. It just seems like he can be used in the slot for, for different ways to use his speed, kind of like some of these other speed guys you see, one, one of those little quick passes. I don't know that's how Jack, Jack, uh, Jake Wilson kind of uh, put pads his stats a lot by tossing it to the outside to land a ransom, let him take off for 70 yards. I feel like he could have been used like that a lot. And guess it didn't happen against Pierce, and it doesn't look like it was happening too much during the season here. So you may be right on that. Maybe they're saving him for South Grand Prairie. Maybe they're kind of keeping some, some tools in the tool bag for that. 
Uh, but next week, it's going to come down to Berkner against MacArthur. Uh, if Berkner wins straight up, they're going to be uh, that fourth spot. If Irving MacArthur wins, it's going to come down to tiebreakers. Uh, and perhaps even a coin flip if uh, Irving MacArthur is able to max out uh, their uh, their win over Berkner. So, uh, you know, we're just waiting for that game next week. Uh, and really the way the schedule uh, played itself out, it's like like you said, it's it's all done in this district. We're just waiting for that one game uh, to give us that last playoff spot. And uh, Berkner, I think that they have enough playmakers to where they're going to be a healthy favorite in that game. Well, let's we'll move talk on. about that next week officially. We will. We will officially talk about it next week, and then we'll the week after we'll figure out if we have to go to Whataburger to flip coins like right. we used to do back in the day. But let's move to 8-6-A where we do have a true win in your end game with the buoy against Lamar. What's your thoughts there? This game won't be played at, uh, at Globe Life. It will be playing at Lamar's home, Craven Stadium. And Lamar's down on offensive alignment. Isaiah Robinson won't be playing in that game, but – I don't know if that skews your scales as far as who you're going to go for anyway, but or picking that game. But Bowie Lamar want to get that fourth spot. You know, when when you go all the way back to uh, the campfire days, and, and we're keeping an eye on Lamar. Uh, Lamar had a streak of twenty something years where they made it to the seven on seven championship, uh, the, the state tournament, and uh, this season, you know, they broke it. Uh, they, you know, they just could never figure it out. And and you look at you know when they played against Arlington. Uh, their quarterback is only, you know, going seven for 21. Uh, they're rushing the ball, but they're only averaging three or four yards a, a rush. And this is against an Arlington uh, defense that, you, you know, gives up 40 to 50 against some of the big teams like Mesquite, Mesquite Horn, and uh, uh, in Arlington Bowie earlier this year. They just don't have the playmakers. And then you take some of their depth away at the offensive line like you talked about. Uh, you know, Lamar, to me, is kind of a broken team. They just don't have anybody that they can rely on. Uh, whereas Arlington Bowie, they've got players they can rely on. They got D'Angelo Ponder and Tavares Duckett and Dontavious Rice and uh, they and, and Kelby Valson. You know, they, you know, talk about the ultimate playmaker for Bowie. I just can't see Arlington Lamar being even competitive in this game. I think Bowie's going to win this game by two or three scores. That's a good point about the playmakers. They they definitely have them at Bowie. Just getting them getting the ball is what's going to be the key there. And you saw what happened with Felson. Uh, Kelby Falson got that ball against uh, what was it Plano where he went all over the place. That took it looked like a, it, was, it was a zigzag for a touchdown. Zigzag. All right, let's move to nine six a. As usual, that one's a, a wild district, but we do have a Wiley uh, Wiley versus Saxy game. That's if Wiley can pull that one off, they're in, right? Yeah, if Wiley can win it, uh, they are in. And, you know, Wiley has been up and down. And when you have a sophomore quarterback, uh, Jagger Bale, uh, you know, up and down kind of a thing that uh, matchups and how he sees it and, and certain speed packages uh, can really get him. But uh, against Name and Force, he really shined uh, 254 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's able to run the ball from, you know, one, two yards out, uh, kind of like that uh, Eagles package with Jalen Hurts when they can get in there and, and, and get those one yards pretty consistently. Uh, so he's very good at that. They've got uh, Chris Lewis out on the skill player uh, as, as a receiver. But again, we keep talking about, and, and a lot of times I talk about calibration and Ric Flair theory and, and this and that, but in this district, I like to ride the hot hand. And right now I think Saxe has that hot hand. 
Uh, you know, we've seen uh, Brendan George really step up as quarterback at Saxe. Uh They run their two-quarterback system. They got Victor Jesus Gutierrez, which is a much more of a running quarterback, although he can, he can sling it a little bit as well. But Brendan George has really found uh, the downfield game, uh, which really opens up Popacana uh, rushing the ball, and he's able to be a high-capacity running back, run the ball for 20, 30 times a game uh, for 7 to 10 yards a game. So when saxe has got all of that, Clicking on the right gears, it's hard to pick against them. I'm taking Saxe in a little bit of an upset this week. Interesting. Well, that wouldn't that wouldn't clear things up like I needed to be cleared up. I was hoping to get through this week ten and, and have at least two or three playoff spots set in this wild district. But if you got uh, if you got Saxe winning, I may have to go back to the drawing board and try to figure these scenarios out again. Some would say the smart money is on Wiley. I'm picking of this as an upset so you know like you know i think the uh the wisdom might say that wiley uh but again i, I think of wiley in that lakeview game uh where lakeview was able to kind of shut them down and uh limit their big playability i think saxy has the athletes all right Dixie, and we'll have tets down teddy madden at that game uh to get us all the highlights of a little wiley saxy let's move on to uh 10-6a where uh the top three positions have been taken uh as far as the playoffs go I, I, if things play out, you know, I know if you'd like to say that, you know, mathematics is the whole deal, but we have, uh, we have Rock Raw, Rock Raw Heath and the Ski Horn. And, you know, I was out at Horn. I think we, I've, I've told you enough about that, but I was out at Horn and it was just interesting listening to some of the defensive players uh, talking about that win against Heath where they were down 14 to six most of the game. And they were like, okay, we're going to hold them down. We're going to hold them down until the offense made a play. Uh, and then, in the fourth quarter, they're like, forget that, we'll make the play. And they got they did the pick six off of that double reverse play, took it in, and it's just wild how how Coach Courtney Allen's got that thing turned around over there at Horn. Well, you know, for, you know, we talk about the top teams in this district, and it's kind of weird the way it's worked out. It has more to do with schedules than necessarily how I think it's going to finish up. Uh, but, you know, Royce City has actually clinched, and uh, Heath is still trying to get in. Heath is the one that's looking at the – the mathematical craziness and having a way to where they might not make it in. And you talk about that pick six and Mesquite Horn has been scoring defensively. I saw it against uh, North Forney where they uh, had two defensive scores and then they get a defensive score against Teeth. And, you know, what can you say about Mesquite Horn? They are just living it right. Uh, I even remember that very first game against Plano West where, uh, you know, they had a kickoff return that, you know, late in the game that uh, turned that game around. So Mesquite Horn has lived and died by these big plays that uh, can be a game changer. Uh, but I don't know if they can live uh, in the playoffs uh, for very long anyways, hoping that they can win, get these games where they have three turnovers. Uh, and every time I talk to somebody in Royce City, all they tell me, it, it, I'm getting the poor me's out of Royce City of how injured and banged up this team is. Uh, but, you know, that they keep showing a lot of heart and they keep showing uh, that willingness to, you know, to fight. And that game against Tyler Legacy was 10-7 at halftime. Uh, and they went 37-15 in the second half. And uh, even we're doing it throwing the ball. So they've even, you know, Kenneth Spring was able to uh, go 10 for 22 for 130 yards. Uh, we know what Sam Mitchum can do and, and Spring can run the ball. I just can't think unless Royce City gets a, you know, a three turnover game on Rockwall Heath like Mesquite Horn that they can beat Rockwall Heath. I think uh, Mesquite Horn was uniquely equipped to, to uh, capitalize on that with their defensive playmakers. I don't know if Royce City has the depth 
to take advantage of that. So I'm going to be taking uh, Rockwell Heath, and that'll clinch everything up uh, in this district. And I, I think Royce City will match up pretty well against Mesquite Horn yeah. uh, as, as they play late, uh, next week. But I think that for this game, I like uh, Royce City to take advantage of it. Or I like the Rockwell Heath to take advantage, take advantage of it. Do you think Royce City, uh, if they make the postseason, can uh, get a win? They've made the – I'm made sorry. Them. Can they, they get a win them. in 9-6-A? It, it depends on who they play. I mean, if they match up against Wiley East, I think Wiley East is, you know, might be a little bit of a favorite against them. Just about everybody else in that district, I think Royce City can win. If Saxe continues to be hot, and, and I know we, we've joked on this, and uh, you, you've talked about how you don't think a lot of people in Garland are going to be playing – uh, a snap past uh, the first round of the playoffs. I think a very hot Saxy team, uh, if they match up against a team like Mesquite Horn in the first round, could, you know, I, I think Rockwell and Rockwell Heath are pretty safe in their wins. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, especially with Royce City and Mesquite Horn, if they are playing Wiley East in a hot Saxy, not 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 just, a, you know, an average Saxy, but a Saxy right. that seems to have figured it out, I think we may see a two and two. I'm not going to bet on it, but I think we're much more in the mathematical possibility than we might have thought at the beginning of the season. Okay. All right. I like what you're saying there, buddy. Nine, six, eight, some more love. Uh, let's talk, move on to 11, six, eight. And obviously the game that we have is game of the week, Duncanville versus DeSoto. We've been waiting for this one. Last week we talked about how we were waiting for Alito and Denton Ryan for all this time, but we definitely waiting for this one. Everybody, and I shouldn't say everybody, a lot of people are jumping on the bandwagon of DeSoto, just the way they play, the way Co Coach Mathis gets them riled up, thinking every single one of their opponents is is out to get them and that they have to get out there and stop and stomp out their rivalry, even if they're playing Skyline or something like that. He has some sort of motivational speech where they're the enemy. We got to we got to take care of them. But he definitely has his 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 his, uh, his work cut out for him against the Duncanville squad. This is where I'm going to hear you talk about Ric Flair. So go ahead and give me your Ric Flair stuff. Throw a woo in there if you have to. I wanted Ward. I, I wanted to pick DeSoto in this game. I, I really did. And after about week two, when Duncanville lost their uh, their quarterback, and then DeSoto after you know uh, they got things right against Sock, and and I was like, okay, I, I think DeSoto. I'm, I'm going to be picking DeSoto against Duncanville. But as things go on, you know, look at that Duncanville Skyline game where they held Skyline to one yard ward. I don't think I've ever yeah. seen a 6A football team held to one total yard for a 48-minute game when you're playing backups after, you know, the third quarter. Right. Uh, yet Duncanville is just turn on that, you know, that light switch. I think, you know, it's one of those weird games. If we're, you know, I always kind of use the metaphor of, uh, of a pick them, you know, the old school, you know, I, I know it kind of hurt your feelings when they did pick them at recess ward because yeah. you weren't one of the, one of the top picks. Yeah. But I think we put uh, Duncanville's 22 and DeSoto's 22 up there and we played pick them with them. Maybe, you know, in the top 10, you're going to be a little DeSoto heavy, but after that, you know, DeSoto heavy, I think you're going to be hitting Duncanville a lot of those picks uh, after that, you know, to where maybe 15 of the 22 people you're picking end up in DeSoto, even though maybe five or six of the top eight to 10 uh, would have been DeSoto, uh, DeSoto skill kids. Duncanville is just turned it on. And when you've got the history, like what Ric Flair talks about, to be the man, 
You got to beat the man. That'll and be- what, we got eight straight or something like that with Duncanville, just, yeah. you know, eight straight in the last four years. Uh, Duncanville just, you know, knocking out DeSoto. And then you got, and, and, and I know that uh, uh, our, our friends in Cedar Hill were a little excited about that game, but DeSoto and Cedar Hill, that game at halftime was tied. Right. Man, I, I think Duncanville is going to put it to DeSoto this week. Okay, well, I guess my man, Coach Mathis, doesn't have to dig around too much for bullets and board motivating. He always should do is listen to this podcast, record it, play it in front of him, pull out the chainsaws like he does sometimes, and just go get go to work. Dig said he would take sixteen of those twenty-two players. <laughs> that sixteen of you who are not good enough to be on this team. Are you going to let Diggs talk like that? You're going to let him be disrespectful at the mouth? <laughs> disrespectful. You're going to let him be disrespectful at the mouth? Let's forget about Duncanville and let's go get Diggs. Who's with me? And then they all <laughs> play the East. They all head up to Murphy to take you out. All right. that It's definitely going to be our game of the week, and we're looking forward to that one for sure. In the morning news that DeSoto beats Plano East 63 to nothing at halftime, you're like, what happened? And Duncanville wins by forfeit because the team didn't show up. What's going on around here? Dang, that digs is at it again. All right, let's move down to uh, 3-5A Division One. Uh, we got three of the four teams that already clinched. Denton Ryan, we assume we're going to clinch as well pretty soon. But we have some seeding matchups here with Burleson Centennial against uh, Justin Northwest. Talk about how you feel Justin Northwest is coming on of late. Uh, I know they got their quarterback, Jake Strong, back out there. Can they take out Burleson Centennial and, and maybe jump up a few uh, spotter? You know, I mean, we we saw in the beginning of district that Burleson Centennial and Justin Northwest have had a have had a decent rivalry over the past couple of years. Uh, and uh, I think that was a playoff game last year where Burles and Centennial yeah. knocked them out, uh, knocked them out of the playoffs, uh, and a little bit of an upset at the time. Uh, and then you think of everybody that they've got coming back, and then everybody that Northwest has got coming back. Uh, you know, I think Burles and Centennial. When you look at the history of things, uh, you know, Burles and Centennial got away from themselves when they were Alito, playing Alito. Uh, you know, they they didn't stick with the triple option. Uh, you know, they they tried to get Phil, Philip Hamilton to use his athleticism to get the ball down the field and and get some chunk plays when that really isn't their thing. And and you even talked about it, Ward, last week that uh, Burles and Centennial is not a team that could play from behind. And I don't think this week uh, is going to be a week where they're going to have to play from behind. I think that they're going to beat Justin Northwest. I think it's going to be a very even game. Uh, you know, Justin Northwest has got to figure out a way to force turnovers. And traditionally, Northwest's defense hasn't been the kind of playmaking uh, defense that can force turnovers. So I think uh, in a pretty clean game, Burleson Centennial was a pretty good favorite. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're going to have to see a little something from Justin Northwest to uh, turn the little, turn the tide. What I really like about Burleson Centennial that I think they have an advantage on over uh, Justin Northwest are, are the line plays, offensive and defensive lines. Kind of remind me of Midlothian, which I know we'll be talking about them next. And your field trip out there begrudgingly uh, because you promised the world you would never go film a Lake Belton game. But I'll be excited to hear about that when we get to that part. But first things first, I think Burleson Centennial uh, will uh, take care of Justin Northwest this week. It's 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 interesting. The interesting about the turnover deal because you mentioned the line play. First, Northwest has to get through that offensive line, and then they have to figure out who has the freaking ball because the, it, it goes so many different ways just to strip it out. So you're right; it's going to be difficult for Northwest to turn that ball over. They're not going to get a pick, I don't think, because I don't think they're going to throw that much. And and just like that game, we 
I believe you were at it last year. Maybe you weren't. The the playoff game last year, we Centennial at Northwest. They yeah. got on them early with the running plays and, and confusing them, and then they didn't have to come from behind. That's exactly what you were talking about. And really, the the functional the functionality where a team like Denton Ryan is able to uh, play uh, Burleson Centennial is when you can blow up the line and get yeah. back there and disrupt, you know, the option. You know, when you can get out there and you know, you're almost in a position to take the option before the uh, receiver is, that's when you've got the opportunity to uh, to make some uh, defensive plays. And I don't know if Justin Northwest has the speed or size to get in the backfield before you know the Hamilton can do his thing, whether it's flipping it to Hicks or Abiabo or Zay. Uh, you know, the three options that he mostly goes to. And when they're able to do that, they're able to be consistent and move the ball down the field and get big plays. So, again, Northwest has got to find a way to be disruptive and make a couple of uh, big defensive plays and get some turnovers. I just don't think they have the mechanism from what I saw this year against Toledo to be able to do that. Good stuff. Now, hey, another team that runs a, a, a wonky offense with the flex bone that's hard to prepare for is Midlothian. And I got to see that in person. By the way, for a half I was there, and I'm very proud of myself. I didn't get faked out once by any of the crazy little uh, misdirection and all that stuff. Maybe it's because I was at a practice earlier and, and got myself to, you know, got my eyes trained on it. But I got all the plays, so I'm going to go ahead and pat myself on the back for uh, excellent videography work. Way to go, Wizzy. You really came through. But Midlothian took on Lake Belton last week. It was one that I was at. at uh, Brian Gossett was at there. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, – that was back and forth in the first half, and then and then it, it ended up going fourth as Lake Belton was up by 10 in the fourth, and, and Midlothian came back, and I think I told you last week on the, on the podcast that Midlothian doesn't have the team to come back. Well, they proved me wrong because they did come back, and they won a thriller by two points, and that was highly entertaining game. Uh, that Micah Hudson that you've been talking about for week after week and all the way back into the springtime, fabulous player I, i'm sure you've seen the highlight of the one-handed catch in the back of the end zone uh he made several other catches throughout the game i even got a chance to talk to him a little bit on the sideline he was excited to see somebody out there because i guess they don't get as much media coverage down there near temple than which is not dfw by the way temple in that temple area i don't call, count that as uh north texas school but anyway that's your little battle that you like to fight but it was a thrilling game, and I was glad to see Midlothian do that for for Coach White, who had who had passed the week before, and his wife and kids were there at the game, and it was everybody was there supporting him, and they got the big win, and now it's, I mean, this was the meat of their schedule. So now they got Colleen Ellison coming up, and they got Red Oak looking at them at week eleven. It's, it should be a f nice little run here at the end of the game, at the end of the season for. Them. Yeah, and I'll be curious, you know, I really wanted to tap into your brain since you saw it. Uh, you know, we, we talked about how from the beginning of the year, our, our thought on Mansfield was, or our thought on uh, Midlothian was, that their their lines are going to be as good as they've always been, but it, it's their skill players. And, and looking at some of the numbers that their skill players put up, I mean, you know, Chad Ragel, you know, running the ball and throwing the ball when needed to had a big day. Uh, you know, Diago Benson had a big day and Jordan Richburg had a big day. How did they look from your eyes, uh, you know, just were they that good or was it, you know, defensive slip ups nope. that, that caused those yards? What'd no, you if you're talking about the lines, that that's those that offensive line was solid. It it opened up magnificent holes for them. Obviously the misdirection played a lot into it. And it's it's funny that you, you mentioned you know, you don't really know you can't really tell from a, a stat page how good the running backs are because they share it so much. I mean they don't have 
a, a one 1,000 yard rusher. They have three or four 400 yard rushers because they they share it so much to confuse the defense. And that's exactly what they did in the first half. Just like Coach Wendell said, he said, you know, we'd like to get our big plays in the first quarter because that's when they uh, the other team hasn't made their adjustments yet. They don't know what I'm um, hitting them. So we try to score quick in the first. That didn't really happen. I mean, they scored first, but they let the other teams, they let like Belton score as well. So that was back and forth. But yes, the long, the big holes for Diego Benson in the first half and Richburg and, and the, 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 the quick speedsters, those two guys were there for him on both ends. And it, it, it was, it was wonderful to watch, to be honest with you. Yeah, and, and Colleen Ellison, you know, they're not as good as Lake Belton, but they're going to play a similar kind of game. Uh, they're going to uh, lean on Sidney Holland at quarterback, uh, Kamani DeBrow as their big receiver. Uh, and, and I think Colleen Ellison is going to be able to, uh, you know, get some get some points against Midlothian, uh, but I just can't see Colleen Ellison slowing down Midlothian. I think we're going to see, a, you know, a 38 to 28 kind of a game uh, where uh, I think Midlothian wins by more than the one score games and, and I made a point about this on the dump. Uh, when all of these four teams in the playoffs, Red Oak, Shoemaker, uh, Lake Belton, and Midlothian, have all played each other in one-score games this, at this point. I mean, Lake Belton has lost a game by one. They've lost a game by two. They've lost a game by three. I mean, you know, it is one-score games. And Lake Belton is a new team. They just haven't learned how to win those close games. Midlothian is winning those close games, and I expect them to win another close game against Colleen Ellison. I think, you know, a little bit more of a, a little bit more breathing room against Colleen Ellison than a, a one-score game, but I think it's going to be that kind of back-and-forth game. Absolutely. That's that's the way I see it. I see Midlothian going right into that Red Oak game, and uh, and that should be a that should be a thriller too. One that I thought would be a thriller, two undefeated teams is in five five A Division One, but Richland went ahead and took that loss to Birdville. It took a little luster out of the game, but you know you've you've already pegged me as James Brown's number one fan over there at Timberview. They got a home game. They're actually playing this one at Newsom, so we'll actually have cameras at Newsom instead of Arlo Anderson for a Mansfield game this year. Uh, talk to me about what you think is going to go down in the Timberview Richland game. Me personally, that, to me, that feels like a Timberview three touchdown win. But tell me what you think. Well, we we need to have my thunderstorm come on and uh, and and rain on the on Birdville at this point because I, I think Richland is you know if they play that game ten times I think Richland's going to win seven of those ten games. Uh, Bryce Morton, you know, he had a, he had a bad game. He threw two interceptions. They had two fumbles. Uh, and when you have four turnovers and it's hard to win games with four turnovers. Birdville is good enough uh, to be opportunistic and, and take advantage of those kind of kinds of plays. Uh, but I, I still think Richland's the second best team, and I know that friends in Birdville are not going to want to hear that and think I'm being very disrespectful of the mouth. Uh, you know, I think Richland is going to play Timberview relatively close. Uh, again, I just don't think Timberview is the number two team in the state, and, and I think Timberview is a very good team. I think they're, but I think when we get into the second and third round of the playoffs. They're going to be quickly out of here uh, when we start playing uh, teams like uh, Lancaster and Longview. Uh, when we get when we get to that part of the uh, district schedule, uh, and even you know they're not even going to draw an easy first round game depending on how things go. And if, they, if they're looking at Frisco Wakeland hypothetically in the first round, they may be one and done as it is. Right. You know if they get a banged up Heritage or banged up Frisco or banged up. Uh, you know, Lone Star team, okay, I, I think they can take care of business there. Uh, but if they get a healthy Lone Star, uh, a healthy Wakeland team, pe uh, peaky, peaked and angry, 
I think uh, that could be, especially since Timberview won't have seen that kind of speed in 10 weeks, I think that could be a little bit of an issue. Remember, Timberview only uh, beat uh, South Grand Prairie by a score earlier on, earlier that year. That 0-5 South Grand Prairie team that you like to dog on me for ranking uh, now is 4-5 and and looking really good, just like I promised you they would. Uh, So I I think uh, uh, Timberview is going to be a comfortable favorite over Richland. Uh, But again, I'm just not buying the hype of Timberview like you were shoving down my throat at the campfire talking about that Timberview is going all the way to state. Hey, Coach Brown didn't like your rankings either, so me and him are together on that one, man. He did not like it. They're going to go to the state, too, so what can you do? (laughs) There's a lot of teams going to state if you go by what apparently I'm saying, which is words that you're putting in my mouth. But is this going to be W.T. White's year to get into the postseason? Are they going to make it this year? they got to beat North uh, Newman-Smith. What do you think? Man, this is a fascinating game. You know, multiple computers have this as a coin flip game. And then I think of W.T. White and, you know, can Jaden Fisk play under the brightest lights as quarterback there? W.T. White is a big play threat down the field. Uh, and if he can have a big uh, game against uh, Newman Smith's defense, I think, you know, Jimmy Trilla, if he can get a couple of touchdowns, I think they have the ability to do it. Newman Smith very much like Midlothian is all about those high capacity backs. You know, they want uh, to have three guys running the ball. 13 to 20 times in the game uh, and, and, and getting big yards. And I think they will uh, with Chris Hughes and Jaden Coulter and, and Pearson Rougeau. What, what a great football name that like is. Takes you back to the, like the Mountie, Pearson Rougeau. The Rougeau brother. You like. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Hey, both of these teams have, have done what they're supposed to in this district. They beat the teams they're supposed to beat. They, they lost to the teams that people think they're supposed to lose to, but here's where it all comes down, man. If you want to get into that postseason. Now you're you you're talking about corn flips. You got a pick 'em game right here. Says one one turnover away from getting your team into the postseason. That's right. It's a true 50-50 game. My my heart says Newman Smith. My head says WT White. I'll listen to my head and take WT White in this game. There you go. All right. Let's move on to uh 65A Division One. This 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 district has been uh perplexing most of the year, but we're down to five teams fighting for four spots with Reedy out in a out and about probably the better team in this district. And they've taken on, like you talked about, a beatdown Heritage team. And, man, Heritage, maybe it's my inside story jinx on them, but they need to get things together if they want to get in the playoffs. They they had such a nice record going early on in district play, but now they're starting to play the big boys and they're getting beat around a little bit. They don't have – I don't feel like they have much of a chance here against Reedy, but tell me what you think. Well, you know, I, I think the big uh... – infrastructure thing that kind of lets you know that you got to take Reedy in this game is if you remember that big fight we were at a couple of weeks ago, yeah. uh, yeah. Heritage, they didn't play last week. So all of their players are going to be suspended uh-huh. this week in this game against Reedy. Reedy is right. going to be the beneficiary two straight weeks of that, uh, of that uh, suspension because they're, they got uh, Frisco last week and then Heritage had the bye and now they're playing Heritage and they're going to have all of that. Uh, kind of uh, suspensions and, and team and players out. Point. I think Reedy is going to roll. That's a good point, Diggs. Boy, he's got the key nuggets of information that you people need to hear. That's a good point. I forgot about the bye week for them last week. So, yeah, this could be lights out here. Uh, let's talk about Lone Star and Frisco because that's another another big game uh, that will have playoff implications or at least seeding implications. Talk about what you think is going to happen there. I got a text from Coach uh, – 
from Coach Rayburn this weekend talking about uh, the great play of, of Jalen Braxton, how he had two picks. He, he threw a touchdown. He he caught a touchdown against Sherman, Grants against Sherman, but he's playing at a high level and he's one of their big D1 guys. Yeah, he is. And, uh, you know, Lone Star's on their third string quarterback right now. And when you kind of look at their last couple of weeks in the box score, it's been all Bennett Fryman. Uh, so can Lone Star, you know, basically Lone Star is going to go as well as Fryman as a quarterback and as a running threat can progress. And obviously, you know, you looked at their depth and he's the third stringer for a reason, but he's coming onto his own. Rayburn can develop quarterbacks. And now Rayburn has had a few weeks to develop Fryman and kind of get him where he wants to be. Uh, Frisco, I think, is, you know, on paper should be a little bit of a favorite. But now that they've had two weeks where they've had uh, two straight games where they've had uh, the, you know, they had the issue last week against Reedy. Uh, and then they had the Heritage game where they won the game. Uh, but they needed two punt returns to effectively, uh, you know, I don't know if they were the better team that uh, night, but, you know, they, they didn't get the win. I think it, it might be a little bit of an upset, but I think Lone Star will find a way uh, to uh, to take out Frisco. Frisco has been living on their defense, uh, but the last couple of weeks, Frisco's defense has been uh, stymied, whether it's been because of suspensions or lack of depth or lack of discipline. Something's been a little bit off with Frisco. I think Lone Star's going to take advantage of it. And Lone Star's going to have a little bit of a desperation because Frisco absolutely – uh, you know, Lone Star absolutely has to have this win. If Lone yeah. Star, uh, you know, messes around and loses one more game, they may be the odd team out without even having a chance to play for it. Uh, I think uh, we're going to see Lone Star at their best. We're going to see a great coaching plan. And I think Lone Star is going to pull the upset this week. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one. And then that will put – we talked about how five teams are playing for four spots. So that'll, that'll make Frisco and Frisco Heritage one of those teams that makes – playoffs and they're going to they're not they're not going to be going in on momentum unless Fristo can somehow win this one or beat Wakeland which yeah, we both talked about how Wakeland is 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 thriving right now the red hot they're our second hot team as we talked about Saxe as well and one of these teams is going to get in the playoff kind of sh sh backing their way in if you want to call it that way but one of them's got to go and we saw them both play each other and they they played like they needed that win as they started beating each other up with and brawling and, and doing whatever they had to do to try to win. But yeah, that's going to be an interesting scenario right there. Let's move on to seven, five, a division one. We got Forney taking on uh, McKinney North and they got a home game against McKinney North and they, they, they really need to pick up this win. What do you think about this game? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about uh, Forney and, uh, you know, they, they, they've kind of started to fizzle a little bit for me. I, you know, I think they've had some injuries. Uh, Kyle Crawford has played great for them at uh, at quarterback, a big play threat. Obviously, they want to run the ball, but the running game and the offensive line hasn't really clicked uh, the way that we wanted it to. But, you know, Coach Fleener is going to have a great game plan. Uh, I think this is a pure pick'em game. I think McKinney North athletically might have some, you know, might be the uh, slight favorite. I think they're playing a little bit better when they're not playing Longview or Lancaster. They look pretty good. Uh, Colin Hitchcock, uh, quarterback, uh, you know, he, he's having a good day. He's he's been having some good weeks against uh, some of the middle tier teams. Uh, Corbin Hendricks, Cameron Powell, uh, really good. Uh, and and then our, our guy Nate Markiewicz you got to have that tight end who can go out there and uh, catch those tough yards for uh, McKinney North. Uh, but you know the great uniter Jeff Bleener finds ways to win these games. I think Forty wins this game by one score. Excellent. And we I know we don't we don't cover eight five a Division one, but that one's getting kind of since I do do the Houston show a little bit. That one's getting a little kind of wonky down there too, as as five teams are fighting for four spots as well, but. 
whoever gets that fourth spot gets to uh, travel to East Texas and get lit up. So that's why don't you break down eight five A for us, Ward? Eight five A is gonna be on the DHA podcast. Eight five A, we got uh, we got Kingwood Park definitely gonna it's gonna be in it. They've already clinched. Then we got Port Arthur Memorial is gonna make it. Barbers Hill is gonna make it. It's gonna come down to Crosby and Laporte, and I think Crosby's gonna make that last spot. And I think they are gonna have to make that long trip out east to face Longview and and I don't think that's going to be pleasant for them. They just haven't been playing like they had the last two years. You know, Crosby it's in the state title game against uh, who they get beat by. They got beat by Alito two years ago and then last year they made it to the state semis but this is just not the same squad as we saw the last two years. So, telling you, Ward, if you lose to Baytown Lee, you're not going to you're not going to last very long in the playoffs, sir. You can't lose happen. to those ganders, can you? Right. All right, let's... Memorial, I'm burying them. They're going to make the playoffs, but they're done. Get them out of here. One and done. All right. My man's making some Houston predictions, and he's not even in the Houston. See, this is what we need from you. We need a Houston dump. We need you to go from 12 to 3 on DFW dump, and then 3 to 6 in the morning on Houston, being all kinds of groggy when you get down to the 5 or 6, 4A teams that actually have in the Houston area, and you start talking about them. Start talking about those KIP teams. Yeah, you know, Kip. Houston Kip versus Houston Sunnyside or whatever. <laughs> Houston Sunnyside. All right, let's move to three five A Division two. Uh, Argyle they beat four or three straight undefeated teams. Uh, you knew they would, but this week we have an interesting matchup between Independence against Lake Dallas. Talk to me. About, I think you might actually go to this game, right? Is that Sounds what like the kind of game I'd like to go to. I, I think you're right about that. And, man, what can you keep saying about Frisco Emerson? I mean, this is one of those things. I'm going to give myself a little backhanded compliment, even though I've been wrong about things. Do you remember in the Campfire Award, do you remember my fourth-place team in this district? Yeah, I do, because I guessed Emerson, and you said, no, 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 that's crazy, because Kendall Millers can't turn that thing around so quick, but they are in the playoffs. You said Denton, and you said the Broncos, and now they may find their way in. Yeah, all of a sudden, you know, we buried them, and now with Lake Dallas having two straight losses – uh, if, if they lose this week to Frisco, uh, this would be their second. You know, they've had two losses. If they lose to uh, Independence this week, now they're basically sitting with at three losses, and where Denton can knock them off. As long as uh, even if Denton loses to Argyle, it's just straight up for a playoff game. And right. man, that all of a sudden gets real dicey with uh, Denton and Lake Dallas playing a win and end game. I know you talked about loving those win and end games, and Absolutely. we may have that. But how did Lake Dallas blow that 20-point lead last week against – 20 to nothing. It's not like it was a 20-point lead like it was 41-21 or something like that. No, this is 20 nothing. They were shutting this Emerson team down. And maybe Kendall Miller called up Claude Mathis and said, hey, man, what should I yell at these kids at halftime? Oh, thank you very much. And they motivated him for 24 straight points. All of a sudden, just, you know, just tell them that Diggs badmouthed them and, you know, they'll, <laughs> they'll respond to that. But really, when you, uh, you you break down the scores and and how things worked with that, I mean, there was a situation where uh, you know you had uh, Lake Dallas have a uh, had a had two straight interceptions. One of them was a pick six, and all of a sudden uh, that game is twenty to fourteen in the third quarter. Then a couple of fumbles. Uh, I mean, Lake Dallas had three interceptions in the third quarter, and that's how you blow it. Uh, and Frisco Emerson takes advantage of those. Uh, kinds of scenarios and and they just play a really clean 
brand of football where they're not going to make many mistakes. But Lake Dallas is, is a little bit more mistake prone. Uh, they have a higher ceiling, but kind of a higher floor when it comes to that. Whereas with Emerson, you're going to get that consistency. Cade uh, Bordenham looks great at times, but other times he makes some head-scratching plays where, where you wonder about it. I think uh, Frisco Independence has the kind of offensive setup uh, to take advantage of that. I think uh, even against Argyle, I mean, that game was a blowout, 35-10. Frisco Independence had some success. Uh, they had a lot of turnovers. That game was 4 four nothing in turnovers. So Independence could move down the field, but Argyle played great situational defense, was able to shut down Independence and, and keep them from scoring, but Independence was able uh, to kind of go up and down the field. Mateo Quatrin uh, had a really nice day throwing the uh, down, you know, the 10 to 15 yard routes he had success on. I think they'll be able to take that and their running back, Yude in Uribe. I think he'll have a much better day because you know Argyle's defensive line. You got Van Poppel, and you know, they, it's hard to run against them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Independence didn't have success running against them. I think they'll have that success against Lake Dallas. I think Frisco Independence takes it against Lake Dallas, but I think it's going to be a high scoring game, maybe a 42 35 kind of a game. Do you do you put any credence in into Argyle uh, starting slow these last couple of games? There's what seven three this last game, and I know it was only fourteen ten against Emerson. Does that does that worry you at all, or does it not bother you at, at all as far as the playoffs down the line? No, it, it worries me a little bit. But when you look at Region One, Region One is a very and we talked about this in the campfire. They got a very good setup. Argyle did not only did they get a very good district, but they got put in the top half of this region. Uh, where, you know, there's really no state-ranked teams that you look at other than Argyle. Argyle is probably going to be the favorite to get out of get out of this region and, and uh, play a team like South Oak Cliff or uh, Lovejoy in, in the state semifinals for the right to go to the state championship, where I think they'll be an underdog in that game, but we already saw what happened when they played Lovejoy. Uh, you know, Argyle is not a team you want to play in the state semifinals and have a high degree of confidence that you're going to be able to out-coach them and out-play them because they will be playing – at a high level. So if they were in region two, I would be highly concerned because Argyle would be one of seven or eight teams in region two, but in region one, I think they can handle these slow starts and able to uh, be more methodical in their uh, approach and, and, and slow things down and, and just, you know, not get panicked. I think uh, the fact that they've had some slow starts with this region isn't very worrisome for me. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. We got four five, a division two. We got a, a game for the district title. And it's not great fine against College O'Hare. It is it's great fine versus Arlington Heights. Tell me your thoughts on this one. I, I not only does Great Fine get the home field advantage, and they're gonna have to listen to the craziness across the street over at Dragon Stadium, all this weird cheering. Maybe the Arlington Heights uh, crew can pretend like that cheering's for them when they hear some Byron Nelson South Lake stuff going on. But uh, you know I'm a big fan of Phil Young and, and the yellow jackets, but man, I, I don't know if they have what it takes to to challenge grapevine here. Yeah, you said that, you know, against Colleyville Heritage, and, you know, they, they yeah. proved us wrong as, as far as that goes. And, you know, you talked about how you want to rewind the dump sometimes when I'm talking about Euless Trinity and, you know, how oh, this is the one, this is the one. I think this is, what, our third straight uh, district championship in this, you know, the Battle of the Rail, Grapevine, Colleyville yeah. Heritage, district title. All of a sudden, it's not. Now we got the true district title right. uh, being played with Arlington Heights and uh, Grapevine. And really, I think it's pretty simple for Arlington Heights. Can Brian Kirch have the same kind of a game that he had against Colleyville Heritage uh, against Grapevine? And I think if he can, uh, it, it really limits the possessions and it, it gives uh, – 
Arlington Heights a chance in this game uh, because both these teams really look kind of similar at the end of the day. Uh, you know, they, they're both teams that want to do it on the ground. And Parker Polk, you know, we keep talking about him for years and years and years. Uh, you know, like so like his fourth year playing, it feels like. Uh, I saw a picture of Parker Polk, and he looks like a college student. He's got a beard and a mustache and looks like a grown man. What's going on over there, man? Maybe he, he was held back a couple, two, three. But, you know, Evan Baum for Grapevine, he's a very good quarterback when he has to be. You know, they don't ask too much of him. Uh, they kind of ask him to be a, a facilitator to their uh, running back talent. Uh, Rondell Carradine uh, is a big play threat for them rushing the ball as well as Parker Polk. Uh, he takes the high uh, capacity uh, rushing for Grapevine. I think Grapevine's going to be a favorite in this game, but I think it'll be a, a you know, maybe a, a 28 to 14 kind of game where uh, that you're not going to see a lot of, uh, you know, you know, that kind of uh, a big possession game where you kind of uh, do things. But uh, did you know, by the way, that uh, O.D. Wyatt has a player named Javorski Lane Jr.? I did not. So keep an eye on that for O.D. Wyatt. We're talking I will. I'd players. like to talk to Senior to see why he named Junior Javorski Lane. Let's talk about – let's move on to five, uh, 5A Division uh, two. We talked about uh, – well, first of all, we got Everman and Midlothian Heritage. They're in – we talked about Ennis and Arlington. Watch out for Arlington Seguin. They're the team that likes to maybe sneak up on you. And Ennis said, you know what? Forget all that mess and, and beat them by 25 points. Um, it only picked up their third win on the season, right? And I believe they're they're three and five. But it was a huge win because now it sets up a game with Burleson where if they can take down John Kittness' team, they're looking good for that playoff spot that we were pretty nervous about when they started off so poorly this year. You know, and, and it, that game against the Seguin was up at halftime, and then Ennis kind of finally, you know, right. maybe Sam Harrell really lit him up in the in, in the halftime speech, and, you know, they turned it on in the second half. But uh, if Seguin and Burleson cannot beat Midlothian, uh, Seguin plays Midlothian Heritage and Burleson plays Ennis, uh, if both both the favorites, uh, and I think Ennis is a favorite over Burleson, they win, uh, then we've got all four teams in. And the next week will be uh, Heritage and Everman for the one seed, and then Ever, uh, Summit and uh, Ennis in the uh, we're going to try to avoid South Oak Cliff game. Uh, so I think the bigger games are next week. Uh, Ennis, obviously, Burleson's last chance to get in is against that. But when I've really been digging into Burleson, Burleson is just not the team, uh, you know, obviously losing Rayola and then having uh, Kitna Jr. in there, uh, you know, Rayola is, is a generational talent, uh, a very good player. Uh, not to say Kitna isn't a very good player, but Burleson just doesn't have the offensive playmakers. Uh, you know, Jabari Smith hasn't really uh, had a big uh, year for Burleson and nobody else has stepped up for Burleson. So now you're uh, taking them on against Ennis and Ennis's playmakers have seemed to kind of figure it out. Uh, Jackson Gilkey, obviously a dual threat. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the receiving the ball, Grayson Harris uh, is able to uh, extend the field for Ennis. I just can't see this variant of Burleson uh, upsetting Ennis. So I'm taking Ennis to probably win uh, very similar to the way they beat Seguin by uh, two or three scores. Yeah, I'm with you on that one for sure. Uh, we got the – Why the don't you ever disagree with me, Ward? All you do is like, yeah. You're right, Diggs. Yeah, yeah. You're right, I, I need war. I need you to combat me, Ward. The people of America need us to fight. <laughs> I've given it to you once or twice, but you're just such a likable guy. I gotta agree. You're such an and agreeable. To your credit, guy. when you're right, you're like you like dunk on me. You like you posterize me when that you're is right. True. 
you talk I about mean, Garland or something, and like you you just bag on them, and I just miss you. And then the next week, I got your crotch in my face with a score <laughs> just on slam dunking on me, and dunking a Nerf ball in your eyeball. See, I don't, I don't pick, I don't disagree with you unless I know it's going to be right the next time around. So, all right, Dixie, moving on to six five A Division two. We're in the zone playoff situation here. Uh, Southfield, Cliff, Cedarville, Kimball, and Woodrow. I think we know what's going to happen. Sock. Talk about that game again uh, with Kimball and Woodrow Wilson. Who do you think might pull that one off? Why don't you tell us what's going to happen with Sock Ward? Why don't you Sock let the win? Let me see if you can be combative with me. Sock is going to win by five to eight touchdowns. You want to be combative? Let's go. That's a very broad range. So from 35 to 56. Yes. That what you're doing? I'm going to take the over. <laughs> take the over on that. I'm going to, I'm going to go 8.1 to 10. All right, all right. They got, they, got, they got to turn it on for for uh, the playoffs. So eight point one to ten is, is what I'm going to take there. All right. But uh, Kimball Kimball is a team. You know, we saw them play Hillcrest last year in that game uh, that we call back to quite a bit because it was such a good game and had that heartbreaking ending. And uh, Kimball with all of the talent, and then what happened with the basketball and all that yeah. stuff, which we won't get into. Uh, but uh, you know, and then they graduated everybody, and it's like, okay, how is Kimball going to come back? And really, they've come back with a big play offense. And, uh, you know, Trust Bro has been uh, able to get throw the ball down the field. Uh, Devonis Dickerson has been a big play threat down the field. TJ Barber, Jordan Martin. Uh, they've got some go daddies who can get out there and uh, play play some great football. Uh, Woodrow Wilson, uh, you know, they've kind of started out slow. We talked about uh, when they started out playing Emerson earlier in the year. It took him a little bit to get it figured out. But Cam McGuire, uh, he's got the sea legs on. He's really having big games for them. Uh, you know, their defense is playing situational, good enough kind of a football. I think Woodrow Wilson has the defensive game plan that can uh, slow Kimball down. I'm taking Woodrow Wilson to uh, go to the zone championship to be the sacrificial limb for uh, for South Oak Cliff. So you get beat down by Sock. Well, it's be interesting to see how Sock goes through this. Uh, we can count this as postseason. It's it's zone playoffs, but see, interesting how they go through their uh, possible eight weeks of playoff play because that's that's where we're at with the the zone stuff. Uh, let's move on to seven five A Division two. Uh, we're we're still sitting on, and you talk about this every week. We're still sitting on the Melissa Lovejoy game of, for for the next week, and we're still going to wait for it. Uh, Crandall has a chance to to cleanse their playoff spot, spot with a win over Denison. Um, their athlete Samuel Masayo, he's getting his bobblehead this week, so he'll be on the show. Will he look past Denison to think about what outfit he's going to wear on the show? I don't know, but I did talk to Coach Kyle Harden about him. And interesting, interesting. He's he's all in on this pirate team. Of Sammy is. Uh, he has a van that he drives around and picks up all the players, make sure they make it to practice. So he's up even earlier than practice starts, which is right around six six thirty. He gets her up around 5, 5.15, starts driving around, making sure all his teammates make it to practice, which tells me he's dialed in and ready to help take down Denison. And I always, you know, I always go for the team that's got that athlete that you can play anywhere on the field, and that's definitely what Crandall has. Man, after you said all that, how am I supposed to pick Denison in an upset? After <laughs> yeah. after you, you got the bobblehead? Well, you've been cursing people left and right on, you know, the – Inside no, stories I curse him with. The bobbleheads, that just turns them into another different type of animal. Well, I mean, what, what was it? The Anthony Hill got the bobblehead a couple of weeks ago and yes. lost. 
Now he he got it after he lost. Yeah, so I I think Samuel is going to be getting his after he lost as well. Oh, I, right. I'm calling a little bit of an upset. Now again, to be clear, I disagree with you. I'm ready to be combative. There, and you have every right because Crandall on paper should win. Uh, but Dennison, you know, made a couple of offensive scheme adjustments, and they've been putting up 60 points a game the last two weeks. And I, I feel and, – and what does Crandall really struggle with? Their defense. You know, they, they, they'll have these, uh, you know, huge 56 to 55 games uh, like they played against 40. And now Dennison, to overcome Crandall in the playoff situation, has to win this game by 13. I can't see them winning this game by 13. Uh, but and, and I think maybe because Crandall knows in their back of their head that they can lose this game as long as they don't lose by 13, uh, and they'll most likely be okay, that maybe they're not going to play with the urgency that they need. They're going to kind of start the scoreboard. And, you know, week 11 games where you have those win and end situations where you almost can kind of put up uh, like the Keller-Northwest game a couple of years ago where, you know, Northwest, your Keller won, and but Northwest, you know, got to the playoffs. So it's one of those situations that at the end of the game, the losing team was cheering and the right. the winning team was, you know, despondent. Uh, you know, you might have that kind of vibe, even though there's one more game. I think Dennison, you know, Josh Kurtenbach has played at the next level the last two weeks. He put up almost 500 yards himself against Princeton this past week. And I know that's not really saying much, uh, you know, and if they wouldn't have lost to Terrell, this game would be way more important. Uh, so Dennison has to figure out a way to overcome that Terrell loss and pull Crandall into a three-way tie uh, and then win that three-way tie. And they got to win that three-way tie by 13. I don't think they can beat Crandall by that much, but I'm going to pick Dennison in a small upset this week. Well, it's definitely that. That's definitely what you want coming down the stretch. You want to just give him a chance. Just give him a chance to get in the playoffs. But I, just, I see Crandall winning that game. I see him winning a close one. And, and, and putting uh, Dennis into bed and getting their self a, uh, getting their pirate ship into the postseason. Now, Digsy, you want to talk? Go ahead. You look like you better say something else. Oh, I, I just, you know, I think on paper you're right about that. But I think Dennison, you, 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 sometimes you got to ride the hot hand. And Dennison has the hot hand right now, and they match up incredibly well with Crandall. So, you know, I, I just think, you know, styles make fights. And this is a fight that Crandall, I don't think, has the right style to uh, have success. But at the same time, if Crandall wins this game by five touchdowns and you're dunking on me next week, it very well could happen. I just think Dennison has that capability to do something special in this game. But it's an upset. You know, this is like, you know, we're talking about these 10-game series. You know, Crandall probably wins seven or eight of them. I think Dennison is going to put together that special game and, you know, pull a little magic off. Got to respect you for picking upsets and, you know, just keep going with the favorites. So, to recap, you got three hot hands you're rolling with this week. Uh, Saxy. Frisco Wakeland, you're kind of rolling with them for two straight weeks, uh, 10 and 11, and Dennison. So those are the hot hands. Those are the guys that are blowing on your dice when you're playing craps. Uh, you got Red Barons on one side of you. You got you got the Wakeland new coach and, and, and Dennison blowing on dice for you, right? You're going with the hot hands. Take them to Vegas. Got bring me home. Do you want to uh, do you want to talk any any small school before we shut this down? You don't like talking small schools. You I do. Schools. I just don't have the knowledge you got, man. You 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 dig deep into small schools. But if, if we're going to talk about if we're going to talk about small schools, why don't you pitch the Country Roads game of the, the week? Country Roads game of the week. It, we're going to finally see if this Gainesville team is a is a playoff type team. They're at home. They got a home game against Van Alstine. 
and we're going to have my main man, Neil Beasley, out there giving us the stuff. How did you like his uh, Kraut Bowl stuff this week? That was fun. I mean, you know, just we got the scene. You know, he put the scene on, and the game was a little bit better than I thought. Too. I mean, Gave you a little yeah. history lesson, too, for people that doesn't know anything about the crap bowl. But, yeah, it was good for a half. He seems to bring good games. I mean, that Gunter game when they played Howe, didn't expect it, but that was a good game for a half. And then Gunter pulled away. So, he's bringing out the good games, too. And we'll see if he can do it one more week. Gainesville has been one of those teams. You know, you want to talk about the hot hand. Uh, you know, they were a team that they got rolled by Cedar Hill Trinity leadership the first week of the year. And you just thought, oh. They're done, and they lost to Hillcrest. And then all of a sudden, they keep winning these games in, in district, and, and now they have a chance to be playing for the second seed in this district if they can beat Van Alstine this week. So let's see what happens. Let's let's play the game. Let's see what happens. So I already told you who's getting the bobblehead. We talked about that. Inside story, we went down to Mesquite Horn. We talked about that as well. But you, you, I almost think Courtney Allen is kind of coaching – two teams to prominence. I know Coach Gates has got the North Crowley thing going, but that's his, the seed that was planted there was by Coach Allen, and now they're at 8-0, and he's turned Mesquite Horn from 2-7 and seven to 7-2, seven and two, and that, those were a bunch of guys that were hungry to win. They just needed to be pointed in the right direction. And I don't know if you saw it or not, but he's, you know, he's so excited about the team. He ripped his Achilles celebrating on the pick six. And so he's out on the sidelines with crutches every week. And that's the kind of coach you want there. Cause he, even one of the players was saying, man, I got banged up one play. And I was, I was thinking about staying down on the ground. I look over my coach on crutches. I was like, man, I got to get up. If he's out here coaching with the torn Achilles, then I'm going to be up there too. But I, I got to respect as a, as a single parent myself, I'm a single parent with two twins. Coach Allen is a single parent with four girls and they're, they're living in DeSoto and people always wonder, man, why are you leaving North Crowley when they're doing so well to Mesquite Horn? That's two and seven. It doesn't make any sense. He put family first. And I, I respect somebody that does that because he was leaving. He was leaving North Crowley in the middle of the day, driving 50 miles to DeSoto to tend to some of his daughter's needs. If they needed help or anything, turn around, going back out there for practice He's on the road so much time. He's filling his gas tank like twice every two days just to be there for his family. And when that thing opened up, he didn't know a lot about Horn, but he knew that he knew where the location was. And it was 20 minutes away from where he needed to be, which is with his family. So I respect a guy like Coach Allen. And he got there and turned this thing around and has him playing. And we'll talk about that in the inside story as well. Yeah, and, and there was a there was a case this uh, a couple of weeks ago on on Twitter uh, where uh, one of his uh, I think it was running back coach uh, running back coach lit me up about my rankings. He, you know, he was fired up about that, and Coach Allen uh, sent me a DM. Is like I'm sorry about that, but you know I, as I told him, I was like he's right. I mean you know y'all know your teams, y'all know who you played, and I I assumed something, and and if I was right, you know we would see the next week. If I was right, it was if uh, if uh, Mesquite could beat Arlington or something to that end, or Arlington beats Arlington Bowie, and then that didn't happen. So I got to give uh, Mesquite Horn their flowers. They got passionate coaches up and down, uh, up and down the uh, coaching roster over there at Horn. And that's one thing about Diggs, man. He's got the thick skin. Y'all can go back and forth with him. You don't like what he's saying in the rankings, and he'll. As long as you have a a educated comeback to him, he's fine with it. But just don't say, I just think, like I would do, I think you're stupid, Diggs, and why did you do it? Tell him something, man. Tell him why you think this team should be ranked higher than the other, and he'll come back. If he's wrong, you'll let him know, right, Diggs? If you feel like that you, they've made a point, 
if you've proven your case, one thing I've learned about Diggs over here, he likes to debate, man. If you can prove your point, go at him. I'll give you your flowers, and, and I'm still cheering for, for Denton to maybe prove me right from uh, April. So we'll see how that goes this week. That is true. That is true. I would love to see. I, I'd probably put myself on a Denton Lake Dallas uh, game week 11, as long as it's not Thursday, because me and you are going to both be at the same game Thursday night. That's for sure. Uh, of next week. What do you got this week? This week, I'm going to uh, Geyer against McKinney. Then I'm going to see Frisco and uh, Frisco Heritage against Frisco Reedy. And of course, I'm I've only given myself one game on Friday. See Grapevine and Arlington Heights. So should be a fun week for me. I get to see some Real teams. Normally... Championship. Yes, exactly. Get to see some teams I don't normally see. And you said you're at Independence in Lake Dallas, right? Yeah, and I'll be at uh, the Battle of the Facts with uh, Louisville and Plano East. There you go. You're going to be miserable on Friday. It's going to be cold. You're going to have to get that hoodie on. I know. I need to wash this thing so I can wear it again. Uh, I just don't want to hear about the rain, dude. I don't want to hear about it. I can take it, but some other shooters I have out there can't, and I'll be getting blown up all – it's raining out here. Can you throw an extra $10 in my check? No. You get paid what you get paid. Now give me some good stuff. Wow. I mean, like throwing, you don't you don't give them hazard pay. No hazard pay. You can get your gas mileage, and you get what I pay you, and that's all you get, and that's the way it is. But maybe it won't rain. Maybe you're just uh, maybe Finn Frock got you on this one. Maybe maybe on Friday, if if it rains on Friday night, we're gonna have to get an appetizer next time you take me to dinner. There we go. Some apps. Get some tater tots for the Digsy. <laughs> all right, Digs. I'll talk to you. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for running us through the DFW podcast again and and take us out of here. We're out and listen to that beautiful music. We out of here.